Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome in for the uh, episode 12 of the Blue Note podcast, uh, your one-stop shop here for all things blues. I'm Mike, we are here without Ethan here today, so we're running somewhat solo here at this point. I have a guest host, Stephen Ground from the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. Stephen, how's it going here today? Going great. Thanks That's- for having me on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been trying to really get this going here for the last couple of weeks, and so I'm glad you know, we're able to get you in here for episode 12, the Yori Latera episode here, if you will. Um, you know, I look back here, you know, we tried to do a feature player for every single podcast, you know, like a, a Jersey number special here for this mm-hmm. point. In episode in 12, there are 34 players in blues history who have worn the number 12. And none of them seem like they, they have lasted longer than like three seasons. I was going to say, please don't ask me to try and name them all. Um, Oh, no. No. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't, it's like like you said, I can't even think of, you said Laterra, but nobody jumps out at me as like, oh, that's a number 12, you know? So I feel that. Yeah. The biggest, you know, most notables, you know, you've got Lee Stepniak from 06 to 09. Um, Derek Roy wore it in 2014. And of course, Zach Sanford wore it here from 2019 to 2021. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, there's really nobody of like large note that has worn the number 12. So it's really interesting here at this point. So, but man, we are, I am, you know, here really, really happy to have you on to be able to help break this stuff down. Um, we're going to be taking a quick look here around the central division, a um, couple different things that have happened here since our last recording. And then, you know, we want to be able to break down here what has happened here so far in the off season, but we're going to do this here with a little bit of a spin here. But before we get into that, listeners, I just want to thank you here so much. If you guys like what we're doing here, please be able to hit the subscribe button, hit the little plus button, you know, whatever that it's going to end up being. So you don't miss a single episode. If you want to really give us a five-star rating, you know, we absolutely love it, but please give us, you know, your honest opinion. So we can be able to consistently make this show here the best possible thing that it can end up being. Leave us a comment, get involved in the conversation here over on Twitter at TBN pod. That's the blue note podcast, share the podcast here on social media and other blues. And so the other uh, Thunderbird fans here as well can be able to find us here as well. So Stephen, you're able to get into some stuff here around the central division here first, before we uh, take it back here into our blues. I'm excited. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. So quick look here, Chicago, they have named former NHLer Luke Richardson here as their new head coach. The longtime defenseman here served as a coach within the AHL with the Birmingham Senators and the NHL here with the Ottawa Senators, the New York Islanders, and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he's got his work cut out for him. You know, um, most notably, they are rumored to be heavily shopping Alex Dabrinkit, um, at least according to Pierre, Le, uh, Pierre Lebron here at this point. You know, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to move him, but, you know, he at 24 years old, the five foot seven winger, he's got one year left on his contract, $6.4 million cap hit before he hits, uh, before he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and he can be an unrestricted free agent here in 2024. He's coming off of a really good season 20, I'm sorry, 41 goals, personal best, 78 points. 
against the Blues here against, you know, all time, 17 games, seven goals, five assists for 12 points and a minus five rating. So not a huge Blues killer here at this point, but definitely somebody that the Blues and Blues fans should be pretty darn familiar with. What are your thoughts? You know, do you like the hire here for them? Are you overly shocked if they're going to be able to move Alex to bring it? You know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I it seems to me like that team has no idea what it's doing. Um, I think I like Luke Richardson in you know in a vacuum. I think he's a he he did really well with Montreal, especially when um, Dom Ducharme had to be uh, had to miss games because of COVID and their playoff run. He took over and seemed to do a great job. They played some of their best hockey with him. So um, you know, I think if he was uh, a French speaker, he would already be. Uh, head coach of the yeah. Montreal Canadiens, but yeah. um, you know, so in terms of the hire, I think it makes a lot of sense. He's, you know, he's not a, he's not really a young coach, but he probably no. is more of that kind of like player coach model, like, mm-hmm. you know, able to communicate with the younger guys and stuff. Um, so I think that makes sense. What I don't really get about the Blackhawks is just like, it seems like they want to rebuild and they don't at the same time. And they can't, they can't really commit to it. And, you know, they've got, they've got Kane and Taves on the last years of their deal. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's always talk about trading either one of them. They both have full no move clauses. So, you know, it's, and they've also got $10.5 million salary cap hits. So it's certainly going to not be easy or easy to get rid of those guys. Um, they have the, you know, to bring cat who you would think if you were rebuilding is the kind of player you build around, not trade, mm-hmm. um, but you could certainly get a King's ransom for him if you're trying to do a, a down to the studs rebuild. Mm-hmm. But then they also have the absolute boat anchor that is Seth Jones's contract, uh, oh, which is only just starting this year and going through, um, the 2029-2030 season yeah. uh, at 9.5 million. So, you know, I think Blues fans won't be disappointed to hear. I think the Blackhawks are going to be pretty bad uh, for a fairly significant amount of time. And I don't think Luke Richardson, um, you know, I, I guess it's a good hire because of the prestige of the team and everything and a good job to have. And, you know, they always say there's only 32 NHL head coaching jobs, but right. probably not the bench you'd, choose to step behind first right now if you uh you know had your pick of the litter but i think it's a good hire for them i just think their team is in a in a bad bad place yeah and he's gonna definitely have his voice heard as they look to be able to navigate you know some of those unfortunate contracts and i will say unfortunate because some of them are you know patrick kane is still definitely paying dividends um, Jonathan Taves is still paying dividends here in his own way. You know, a lot of times it's just off the score sheet here at this point. Mm-hmm. But when you're paying a guy that much, he needs to show up day in and day out here on the score sheet. And so that's one of the more unfortunate ones here at this point. So um, so let's kick it down here to Dallas. They also have found a new bench boss here in Peter DeBoer. They signed him to a four-year contract worth $4.25 million annually. He has over 500 wins in over 1,000 regular season games a 68 and 55 playoff record, including two Stanley cup final appearances with both the devils in 2012 and four year later here with the sharks. He's going to be reunited with Joe Pavelski, which will be real interesting to be able to see. Um, he, and what's going to be interesting is that, you know, he is known for a tactic of 
shots from the point, offense from the point. So Joe Pavelski, who has made a lot of this, a lot of success, especially in his time here in San Jose, under Pete DeBoer with tip-ins and plays in around the crease, the dirty areas, it's going to be great for a guy here like Joe Pavelski who can just be that net front presence, help be able to teach some of those other guys, and maybe you know guys who are in redraft leagues or keeper leagues, boy, I'd be paying a lot of attention here to a guy like Miro Heiskanen who is, can just be able to shoot that puck and just dish it um, here as the number one defenseman here in, in shots per game um, and shots total here for all their defensemen. I'd be looking at him and Pavelski as guys that I would target here, like in my fantasy drafts here, especially, but um, you know, I don't think this is an overly bad hire. I think Pete's gotten a really um, tough go around, especially with the Vegas golden Knights here at this point. But um, you know, I'm really interested to see what a team like Dallas can be able to help bring him. Cause they're another team that is kind of puddling around a little bit. You know, they could be able to contend and they've got some pieces, but They've also got the old guard here that they don't really know what to do with here in Ben and Sagan, but they've got new guys here like Heiskanen and Jake Ottinger and Jason Robertson that, you know, they're ready to take over, but boy, some of those bigger contracts, they're, they're just in a tough situation. And so, you know, the players are more in control here of the team than what, what the, the coaches and the, the guys in the front office are. So, um, you know, what do you see here in this hire? Um. First and foremost, I don't like Pete DeBoer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much you guys editorialize on the uh, on the podcast here, so Never. I'll try to keep it professional. But uh, Never. no, I mean, I I, I feel like he's uh, built a reputation for kind of whining and complaining. However, um, he's a good coach. He's got a good track record. I think I agree with you that this is a team that I don't really understand where they are they're kind of stuck between eras like Pavelski is still really good but he's 37 Ben and Sagan are shells of their former selves um and then their forward group doesn't have a lot to write home about except Jason Robertson is a superstar uh Miro Haskinen I think has the potential to be a superstar they also have Thomas Harley uh, who's an incredible young prospect and then um as we saw this playoffs the potential exists for Jake Ottinger to be one of the best goalies in the league. Oh yeah. Um, But that brings it back around to DeBoer. Uh, What I find really interesting about this hire is the reason, the number one reason, presumably that DeBoer isn't in Vegas anymore is that he had a very public falling out with his goaltender Mm -hmm. um, and put Robin Leonard on blast a couple of times, even though Leonard was, you know, playing through, pretty significant injury to try and get the golden Knights into the playoffs. Um, And I just, I feel like if I had a team uh, who built around a potential game stealing young goalie, I don't know if Pete DeBoer is the hire I'd make because of that. But um, you know, when I look at it, they have, they have a lot of pieces to build a new core. Um, I think the question is just those Ben and Sagan contracts that they could ever find a way out from under some of that or just you know any sort of answers there um i think they'd be a real threat and they probably are you know a playoff team or at least a contender this year 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So quick couple of other teams here really fast. Minnesota Wild have re-signed 23-year-old forward Connor DeWar to a two-year one-way contract here worth $1.6 million. He collected two goals, six points here over 35 games here this past season, just averaging under 10 minutes here per game. Um, DeWar has yet to be able to play a game here against the Blues. So in case you're unaware here of him, which most Blues fans are, not going to lie, I had to look this guy up to figure out who in the world he was, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, you know, good contract here for them. I think he's got some halfway decent upside, but just as like a bottom six forward Nashville, they, uh, the former Tennessee governor, Bill Haslam has acquired the ownership stake in the Nashville predators. He will become a minority owner for the next few months. And within the, over the next few years, he will actually become the club's majority owner as a part of a multi-phased purchase transition. So while there's no clear indication if anything will change as a result of this purchase, it does provide, I think, some additional security financially, especially if the team were to construct years with, you know, a 500 season here or worse. So for me personally, it's nice to be able to see that individuals, especially those with some deep pockets, are interested in and following through on the purchase here of some NHL teams. You know, it's nice to see that these guys like what the NHL has to offer, the direction that the NHL here is moving, and it could only help to bring more financial stability, higher salary structures, and hopefully continued improvement to showcase in the game. So thoughts here on the new ownership? I mean, anything here at all? If not, you know, we'll continue to move on. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot. Um, I, I feel like new ownership is, you know, probably a good thing if they are a hockey player people and they're passionate. Um, yeah. but you know, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about either politics or, uh, ownership in Nashville or Tennessee. And I, um, don't think I've ever heard of Connor Dewar before tonight, to be <laughs> honest with you. It's a, it's a great scotch. I hear, uh, not much of a scotch drinker, but you know, <laughs> that's about all I know about him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so something interesting here too, um, you know, as Blues fans here may recognize the Predators and the and Philip Forsberg here also have made little to no progress in contract negotiations. You know, the uh, David Poyle has said that he wants Philip Forsberg and no less than an eight-year contract extension. And I can't say I blame him. You know, he is a cornerstone and a corner piece here of, of this organization. He is the leading point scorer here for the Nashville Predators. And if I'm Nashville, I'm doing everything remotely possible to be able to keep him within the Predators organization. Um, the Blues fans are, you know, they've had their fits here with Philip Forsberg, but I, I wouldn't mind if he left the division here at this point. So we don't need to see him four or five times, you know, plus here a season, potentially see him here in the playoffs. Um, what do you think? we're looking I mean we're looking at like a 10 million dollar per season player we're looking at you know something below that um thoughts here on if he's going to stay in Nashville here even what do you think yeah I mean I think the the ceiling for his contract is probably Roman Yossi's contract or pretty yeah. close to it um because I just can't imagine them agreeing to pay anyone more than Yossi is making yeah um that's 9.059 I assume his number is 59 hockey players love to do that um per season it's really interesting because i agree with you like how could they possibly move forward without forsberg um but it's another situation where it's like how can they add another long 
aging contract to their mm-hmm. roster when they have Duchesne and they have Johansson. Uh, Duchesne had a really nice season, but, you know, has not lived up to expectations by any means until then. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's like, I, I really do think Forsberg's great and I think he's great for them, but there is this part of me at the back of my head where it's like, well, this team hasn't done that much. So like, even if he's been their best forward, like what's, what's he doing for, <laughs> you know, like yeah. he's not, he's not pushing them over the hump, but I don't know how they could possibly be any better if they let him walk. So it's kind of a yeah. catch 22. I think they'll eventually get it done. Um, I, I find it pretty hard to believe that he's going to leave. People love playing in Nashville. Uh, it's a great city. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, a no tax state. So it's a very popular destination. Um, I'm hard pressed to imagine Forsberg leaving there. Um, but if he, you know, doesn't get the exact deal he wants, David Poyle's a pretty tough negotiator. So anything could happen. Yeah. And one of the biggest problems is that, you know, there are teams, even though that they are cap strapped, you know, they're willing to be able to spend money on a guy like mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg. You know, because yeah. guys don't become available here like this every single day of the week, every single offseason. There's no way that this guy doesn't get the contract here that he wants to. There's no mm-hmm. way. The biggest thing here for me is whether or not if a contending team wants to pony up the dough here for him. Yeah. You know, does he want to, be able to go to a small market team? Does he want to be able to, you know, does he want to go above the border? Does he, you know, where does he want to, be able to go and how much is he commanding? Because that's going to dictate a lot here for him because he can go to a containing team here only once, but then he's going to have to take a little of a, of a pay cut here at that point, yeah. or at least based on how much that he wants. But if he's not minding going to a team that is maybe on the upswing, <laughs> um, Detroit could be interesting here for him. Yeah. Um, that point he he could get his money and be surrounded here by quite a few talented forwards you know that are still about a season or two away from like real contention at least you know like p- playoff contention here at this point but boy they're just a couple of studs away here on that forward group and a little bit of extra aging from some of their young pieces so a philip forsberg here could be real interesting on a team like detroit mm-hmm. um so let's head above the border here just really fast um, Barry Trotz will not be coaching here this coming season. It was largely rumored here that he was connected to the Winnipeg Jets and, of course, offered free beer for life if he chooses uh, to go to the Jets. You know, we had a plenty of a, of a joke here based on that and whether or not if you'd be interested if beer would end up, you know, if that's your choice of drink, but <laughs> sway you here a little bit. So he has cited family as the number one reason why he's not doing it. I can't say I blame him here one bit if he doesn't want to be able to move on. So it doesn't look like he's going to be coaching anywhere here at this point, let alone here within the division. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois has told the Jets that he is planning to test free agency in 2024. So does that mean he's going to be out of Winnipeg here as well, like a potential Blake Wheeler? Or does that mean, you know, that they're going to try and hold on to him here a little bit more? You know, the Blues have certainly seen their fits here with Blake Wheeler um, here over the 38 games. He has scored 16 goals, 41 points. So I'm sure that the Blues in the Central Division would not mind aging vet here or not moving a guy like Blake Wheeler here out of the division. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially a guy here like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who may not have all the talent and the success here right now here with the Jets just as of yet, but boy, he's got the, the talent 
you know, he's, he's another guy here just like Philip Forsberg that every single team I think would be craving to have him here on their yeah. roster. You know, before he was moved, I, I was really hopeful that the Blues were going to try and be able to make something happen here for like a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, and especially that was, that was before the time here of Robert Thomas, like really kicking it up here a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it definitely wasn't here on this podcast, but I was one who would mention around, you know, a group of friends here and whatnot. Boy, if we could be able to trade like a Robert Thomas for like a Pierre-Luc Dubois, that would be a blockbuster kind of deal. And I don't know if I'd make that deal anymore here at this point. Mm, you know, yeah, maybe bet- Pierre-Luc betrayal Dubois. betrayal is noted. <laughs> yeah, maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois plus what? you know, to be able to get a guy like him. So, um, so any thoughts here, Blake Wheeler, Pierre, Luke Dubois, Barry Trotz, beer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's interesting that they waited around for um, Barry Trotz forever just to, just to, you know, not get him in the end, but yeah. Um, I guess I assume they have a plan B. It'd be interesting to see if they try and hire somebody, um, you know, that they feel like they can, uh, they can get rid of if Truss does decide that he wants to coach next season. Um, But uh, I feel like, um, you know, I think it was a strange, strange summer for them. And it'll be interesting to see what they do now. Uh, it feels like if they aren't going to get Barry Trotz, they're pretty close to rebuild territory themselves too. Yeah. Um, this poor team can't convince anyone to stay in Winnipeg. Um, and from what I hear of Winnipeg, there's good reason for that, but yeah. it just seems like if, um, you know, free beer won't bring you back to your hometown and, uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois won't stay. Like, what are they going to do to keep people there and build a team? Right. Um, I think they'll probably have to start trying to build from the ground up again and, right. you know, maybe focus on some guys that are from Manitoba and try to, you know, build some people that want to be there and, you know, keep yeah. going from there. Yeah. And I know, I mean, me personally, if I'm a guy who is like Mark Shifley, even Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, I'm looking around like, what are you doing? Because mm-hmm. Connor is signed for four more seasons here at 25 years old. Shifley's 29 with two years left, and Ehlers three years left here at 26. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, they got their money here at this point, you know, between seven and six million dollars here for all three of them here at this point. Kyle, uh, Kyle Connor here being the most expensive one here on the payroll. They're getting their money, but yeah. eventually, you know, as a 25, 26 and 29 year old, I'm wanting to win that. That's just what I'm wanting to do. And so if these guys aren't doing here much, if anything, I'm looking at management, like you got to trade me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to get out, you know, and I can be able to respect the players who want to, be able to stay in Winnipeg and be able to play for the jets, play for their fans. And I, I respect that here wholeheartedly. You know, those guys don't come around here too terribly often who will go after rebuild after rebuild after failed attempt after failed attempt. So yeah. it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the direction is, especially with those three guys. I, I don't know, you know, it just, it's a, it's an odd situation and unfortunate situation for the jets 
and their fans, you know, cause they are a diehard fan base. I love their fan base. I have zero qualms here with them and I love their team here mm-hmm. quite a bit. And it's just been unfortunate to see what's happened here with them here over the last couple of years. So, yeah. Agreed. All right. So enough around the central, let's actually talk some blues hockey. You ready? I'm ready. Awesome. All right. So we are going in and this has been a really good time here. Um, Jeremy Rutherford here of the athletic just completed here a fan survey, um, taking a poll here of the voice of public opinion, seeing what blues fans thought regarding the off season, this past season and their thoughts here and opinions. So, um, so after the second round loss to Colorado, their confidence level one being the lowest five being the highest 60.9% said level four. 30.1% level five in their confidence level in the direction here of the organization, Stephen ground. What says you? Um, I'm trying to remember what I said specifically, because I did answer all these. Um, I think I'm probably a four. I think um, there's some glaring question marks about the team, but I Mm -hmm. trust as we'll get into here in a minute. I trust um, certainly the GM, uh, somewhat mostly the coach and coaching staff. Um, and I certainly think we have, you know, a young core that we have kind of constructed, um, now that looks like it can carry us forward. So I'm definitely not in panic mode. Uh, and it doesn't seem like anybody else's either. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I personally said four as well. You know, I've got some question marks here just surrounding what they're going to do with that defense, especially on the left side, Mm -hmm. which I think most people are. They're not overly concerned, and I'm not overly concerned with what's going on here with their forward group. They've got a lot of players, some guys here coming up, and that's going to be great. Some question marks here surrounding the deep, um, some around the goaltenders here, rather. Bennington, you don't really know what's going on here with his performance. Huso, unfortunately, you're losing, but you don't really know what could end up happening here based on his playoff performance versus his regular season performance. You know, is he going to be a guy who is great during the regular season and just fizzles out here in the playoffs and just kind of crumbles under pressure? Or is it just first time really kind of going through the NHL playoffs and that's, you know, what you're wanting? So, again, um, a combined 91% of fans chose either four or five that they're pretty darn happy here with um, the way to hear that this organization is going. So, um, so the next question that they did was what is your confidence level here? in Doug Armstrong, again, voice of public opinion said four at 27.5% and an overwhelming 68.3% said five out of five in their confidence level here in the general manager, Steven one, two, three, or four, four or five. Uh, I absolutely smashed five on this one. I think, you know, everybody wants to point fingers at the general manager all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know what more Doug Armstrong could do to prove to us that he's, if not the very best, at least a top five general manager in in the NHL. I mean, he's, he's done it time and time again. How many, how many teams have been competitive for this is his 13th or 14th year, I think now mm-hmm. at the helm. Um, he, we've been competitive the whole time. We won a cup. Um, we've competed for a couple more cups. You know, we were um, 
close to, if not the best challenge the Avalanche faced until probably Tampa now. Uh, we were definitely the best challenge they faced before Tampa. Um, it, I don't know what he could do. Yeah, does he make mistakes sometimes? Sure. Does he give, you know, is he probably a little too quick to give a long contract extension? Yeah, but like of all the sins general managers can commit, yeah. um, the ones he's committed are so far down the list. I mean, he's just, we're very fortunate to have him and, um, you know, I've, I have full confidence in him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any question here in my mind. Five out of five is where I'm at here at this point. Like you said, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to overcommit here on times. You're just a little bit too soon looking at you, Marcos Candela. Um <laughs> You know, just way too soon here on some guys. And you're looking at you, Yori, Yori Laterra. Nobody really expected. It's Yori Laterra day. Yeah. I mean, nobody expected Yori Laterra to fizzle out the way that he did. I mean, he looked like mm-hmm. he had an amazing connection. It was going to be the next hole in Oats. It was, you know, and then all of a sudden, what the hell happened? You know, so um, I'm, I'm completely confident here in him. He is, he's doing a great job. Um so same thing, confidence level here in Coach Barube here and his staff, five out of five, 69.5%, 27% here gave it a four out of five. I don't think that there's really a ton of concern other than if you start taking like guys like Steve Ott, um, Jim Montgomery here away from that coaching staff, then I think you really get to see what, Barube and company are really made of at that point because right now they've got about three or four different head coaches that really could be at the helm of multiple staffs here around the NHL so you take away some of his staff it'll be interesting to see the direction that they go Stephen what do you think one through five I think I said a four here um I will admit that I am uh I'm certainly not a Craig Barube hater um but I would say maybe I'm Craig Berube skeptical uh, in the sense that I'm not sure that he is tactically the greatest coach. Okay. And when you're not a tactical coach, I worry how long the kind of like any coach, no matter how good a motivator they are, any coach who's like primarily based on motivation, I just wonder how long that can, you know, hold water with a team that's heard it all before. Mm. But um, he really kind of, uh, he kind of, earned back some of my confidence I think this playoff run um and like you said he's supported by a phenomenal staff uh I do worry a little bit what it looks like when Jim Montgomery is hired away which we assume he will be possibly even by Winnipeg but you know in the next little while or Mm -hmm. Steve Ott you know certainly is is a guy that seems like has a lot of conversation about head coach you know around Mm -hmm. him so um if that happens, it'll be interesting to see who he replaces them with and, and what happens next. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard to argue with a guy that came in, won you a cup has taken you back to the playoffs three times since, you know, I was a little worried when we extended him that we should have let the season play out, but now it looks like that was foolish and, yeah. you know, it's hard, even, even as someone who's a little predisposed to, to doubt him, uh, it was hard. It's hard for me to really criticize him. Right. So turning that back here to last season, what do you think the biggest reason was then for the blues playoff exit? You know, he gave four choices. Colorado was the better team. 
The Blues had the talent but just didn't execute. The Blues are still missing some pieces to the puzzle and injuries. You know, guys like Jordan Bennington, Tory Krug, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think their biggest reason for the playoff exit was? Uh, personally, I was, it was pretty easy to say Colorado was the better team. I mean, they, okay. they are, you know, potentially right now looking like they're on path to win a Stanley Cup. Maybe yeah. they've got the lead. 17 minutes left or so, but, um, but you know, worst case scenario, they will lose in game seven of the Stanley cup final. They were the best team in the West um, by a country mile, I think. And, and, you know, I think, I honestly think in sports, not to pontificate too much, but I don't think we leave enough room for like, oh yeah, that team's just better than us. You know, like there always has to be an excuse or a reason. And yeah, I mean, it sucks that Jordan Bennington was hurt. Of course it does. And and maybe it was a different series. Maybe we do sneak out a victory uh, if Bennington's healthy, but even if Bennington is healthy, I don't think we're the better team than Colorado. You know, I just think they're kind of off the charts good and, And it's okay that we're not quite in that tier right now because, you know, we're building towards that and they're going to be moving away from that as they lose some of these free agents to costly deals on the open market and and things like that. So, See, and that's the thing, though, that I love about the playoffs of any single sport. You don't need to be the better team. You just need to be the better team for five, six, seven games. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're the better team here on first. And so that's why I said injuries because the blues had a lot of mojo going into that series. And yeah, honestly, quite fairly. So did Colorado, you know, they swept their first series, but they're coming in here with a lot of rest here at that point. The blues had a lot of stuff going here for them. And I think that they were the, the better team at that time. And so the injuries that forced some of these guys to come up, especially on the blue line, wreaked havoc here on some of their mojo here at that point. And so I do think that it was injuries that caused them to fall out at that point in time. Or, shoot, they could have gone to enforce to a game seven and maybe even taken that whole series. So, Again, on paper, yes, absolutely, Colorado is a better team. But the biggest reason, in my opinion, for their early playoff exit, and I will say early because that's why I believe that it was, that the Blues should be playing for a Stanley Cup right now, was the fact that they had those injuries that happened and just caused a lot, it exposed their lack of depth, especially on the blue line. So that's that's my opinion. And again, fully agree here with you that Colorado is the better team. There's no Mm -hmm. question in my mind that they are a better team. The regular season proved it here at that point showed just what the NHL lacked and just the pure fingerprints that Joe Sackick here has over this team and just the the goal that he has amassed here in Colorado. And it's going to come back to bite him if for some reason that he can't be able to win tonight or be able to win this cup and, and, and Tampa Bay comes back to win this series, it's going to come back and bite him because I don't know the next chance that they're going to really get to come this close to be able to win it. So it's going to be interesting. Um, but, you know, 43% here agreed with you. Colorado here was a better team. 41.9% here agreed here with me that it was the injuries. So, Again, got to respect the honesty here at this point. So, all right. Next question. Should the Blues keep Vladimir Tarasenko or trade him? 
voice of public opinion, 50 50. <laughs> 1,179 votes said keep. 1,178 said trade. Stephen Ground of the Two Guys One Cup podcast says trade. But trade them. Um, uh, uh, it's very hard for me to say that. Wow. Um, first of all, what an incredible, just what an incredible anomaly to have exactly, you know, one, one vote away from exactly the exactly uh, same 50, amount. 50. St- uh, Stan Musial, you know, hit 1,815 hits at home and 1,815 hits on the road in his yes. career. It's one of my yeah. favorite uh, sport facts. I love Vladimir Tarasenko like a member of my own family. And um, I would love for him to finish his career as the blue, as a blue. And if that happens, I'm going to be nothing but happy about it. Yeah. Um, The, the reason I say trade him is, is purely um, based on our contract situation. Mm -hmm. We have four guys uh, who are all going to need hefty deals after next season as things currently stand, O'Reilly, Thomas, Cairo, and Tarasenko. It's pretty hard for me to imagine all four of those guys are on the roster in just two years years time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, After next summer, Um, Cairo and Thomas are obviously both restricted free agents, um, but both of those guys, if they, assuming they don't fall off a cliff next season, are going to be up for seven, eight, nine million dollar deals. O'Reilly probably is a shorter term deal, but is still probably looking at six, seven, somewhere in there. Um, and Tarasenko, you know, depending, I mean, if he repeats what he did this year, he's also looking at eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there. So yeah. you can't sign all four of those guys for that kind of money. Um, when I, when I kind of reason with myself, who's the most expendable, I hate to say it, but it's Tarasenko to me because, you know, Cairo for whatever his faults may be defensively, he's an electric game changing forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also in his early twenties and Tarasenko will be entering his thirties for, you know, and be in his thirties for the pretty much entirety of the contract. So um, I think right now you can get a King's ransom for him. Um, you can save that cap space and try to go get a defenseman to partner with Pareko. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or you can, you know, load up on some futures and kind of replenish your, your um, pipeline. Um, Why couldn't you do both? You could do, both. you know, you yeah, probably sure. could do both. Yeah. But um, I don't want it. If it doesn't happen, I'm certainly not going to be sitting here saying, Oh, I can't believe the Vladimir Tarasenko. There are times when I'm like, Oh, how did they not trade this guy? Yeah. This was a mistake. Um, but I certainly won't be saying that with Vladimir Tarasenko. I'll, I'll enjoy every second that he's in a blues uniform, but um, just from a utilitarian standpoint, it seems like this could be the time, but I'd love for you to prove me wrong or, or convince me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I voted keep him. Mm-hmm. Um but I will be completely honest, and I will say that ever since I hit the button, keep. <laughs> Boy, if I'm sitting in Doug Armstrong's spot and somebody comes at me with a trade that makes you go, huh, <laughs> ah, 
Boy, I, I would be hard pressed to not sell high right now here on yeah. Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be really, really tough. I think I, I firmly believe that he is going to be back with the Blues here next season. And he could be one of the biggest trade bait candidates going here into next season all the way to the trade deadline. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, he it's it's going to be interesting. I again, I personally said keep, but like you said, I fully agree. They've got too many contracts. They've got a guy in Jordan Cairo who I think is going to be this generation's Tyler Sagan, and he can be able to put up 30, 40 goals, you know, here, if mm-hmm. you truly wanted to, you know, he's not the greatest defensive player, but let's face it. Who cares? I don't need him to be. <laughs> and there's yeah. people who are going to bitch and moan that he doesn't play defensively. It's and he, a bad market for that. Yeah. Um, notoriously, yep. but yep, they're going to have to get used to it for a player yep. like that. Yep. That's they exactly got used it. to Brett Hall. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no way, shape, or form here is Jordan Cairo going to be a Brett Hole. I mean, no, there's but, no way. But you got to be able to keep a guy like Jordan Cairo. Yeah. There's there's no way you can be able to move on from a guy here like the, this unless he gives the you only way you trade him is if it's first, you know, if it's a Matthew Kachuk type thing where you're getting an absolute superstar. Uh, maybe not even Kachuk, maybe somebody a little up, higher echelon than that. But and the only you know. reason why I would not say even a Matthew Kachuk is because of the contract that he's going yeah, to, for to sure. command. I just think Kyra is going to command that in a year as well, yeah. you know, or yeah. maybe not quite as much, but a pretty hefty contract. Yeah. So yeah. Um, if I can say one more thing about Tarasenko or yeah, actually two more things that I forgot to say, yeah, yeah, he looked completely healthy this year, um, mm-hmm. but you do have to have some concerns long-term about yes. the shoulder. I mean, you yes. just can't be a hundred percent confident um, about that because it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of a reality. And um, you know, I think, if you could trade him for a package of, of prospects that then replenish your, your, you know, vaults as you go out and get a Jacob Chikrin or a, an Ivan Provorov or whoever on the left side, yeah. you know, I think that, and then clear the cap space in the process. Like that's, that's going to be pretty hard to overlook. Um, but yeah. like I said, if he's here next year, um, I'm not going to be upset. And, and one last thing, um, I swear I'll shut up. <laughs> um <laughs> We don't, I don't feel like we actually know that he is happy to stay here. Yeah. I, you know, we kind of, there were kind of little rumblings about, oh, that's all behind him now, you know, but it was, it's never like his agent and he'd never came out and were like, oh yeah, I love St. Louis. Uh, You know, it was a bad summer. I'd had a bad couple of years and I'm over it. Like, and that's the other thing. Like if, if you have any reason to believe that he wouldn't resign here or wouldn't even consider resigning here, then you absolutely should trade him. Right. In my opinion. But anyway, I'll yeah. stop talking now. Promise. No, no. <laughs> and and you're, you're completely right. You know, he, in front of the fans, especially post games and everything, he looks so happy to be here in St. Louis, loves the fans. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't doubt that one bit in my mind, but he could still want out. Yeah, I mean, his problems were never with the city or the or right. fans. It was the organization and right. how he felt treated by them. Now, they kept him and he had a career year, so maybe that does make up for everything. But right. you just don't know until you hear evidence of that. And if they don't have it, then that's another major factor to consider. Yeah. And as I say, you know, and we'll see, you know, time heals all wounds is what they say. So we'll see if that's the case here. 
with the Blues and Tarasenko. So um, interested to see what's going to happen in in time here with another UFA in David Perron. Should the Blues re-sign him? And if so, how much money? Two years, AAV average annual value between four and five million. Two years, less than $4 million, which side point, that's what he's making right now. Resign him three years between three and four million, or let him leave and free agency and let the cap money be for somebody else. The voice of public opinion is all over the board here at this yep. point. 34.8 said two years between four and five million, so he would get a bump. 22.6 says two years less. And so they tell Mr. 57, take a pay cut. Three years, give the additional year between three and four million at 39.6%. And just 3% said, eh, just let him go. Stephen Ground says, uh, I believe I said the three year option here. Um, okay. Look at the man. I mean, he doesn't age. He doesn't seem to. Oh, he ages like fine wine. Come yeah. On. He's gotten better and better as his career went on. And I realized that he's um, 34 now, but we were just talking about Joe Pavelski, who's 37 and still looks dominant. Not like mm-hmm. I'm not saying David Braun is Joe Pavelski, but I am saying that but... some players. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am saying some players age better than others. And yeah. also, Joe Pavelski's making. Um, I think it was 5.5 million. Let me look it up because I'm obsessed with these. Yeah, he's making 5.5 million a season, which nobody's talking about Perron getting that kind of money. Um, and I think the other big reason to sign him longer is because Ryan O'Reilly loves him and we need mm-hmm. to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly too. I don't yes. I don't have a lot of concerns about our ability to do that, assuming that we want to do that. And I can't fathom why we would not want to, but yeah, um, you know can't hurt to have his best friend here and um you know keep keep that all in in house and go from there so yeah i want to see Perron back because i think he's too important to the team um and you know not cheap but too uh, too affordable to let him leave um so i would have to keep him in my opinion yeah. And I was really honestly like I, I skipped this question and came back to it here as one of my last ones because I really had to think on this because I want Peron to get a pay bump, mm-hmm. but I want him three years. Yeah. I want him to get both. And so I did ultimately end up answering here three years between three and four million. But if there's a way, in my opinion, that the Blues can be able to give him maybe like a no move clause for his first and second year. And then just like a modified no move clause between, you know, for his third year. So that if the blues really wanted to, they could explore an option to move him again. Everything here is completely like up to him. And I think he deserves a pay bump, you know, $4 million here is his minimum here right now. in, in my opinion, and I don't think he's moving on, you know, signing any contract here with St. Louis, unless it's for at least $4 million here at this point, you know, they've already gotten their bargain deal with him whenever he re-signed in St. Louis. So it'll be interesting to see here at this point. Again, I said three years between three and $4 million. So it'll be interesting where he does, where he goes, what he does, but I do hope that it's going to be here with the blues. 
um, here, as you mentioned about his comparison here with a guy like Pavelski, Pavelski led the stars here in points this season. You know, he had 81 points in 82 games. Yeah. He played all 82 games, 27 goals, 54 assists for 81 points in 82 games. And that's at age 37 where he is averaging 18 and a half minutes of ice time per game. Mm-hmm. Perron is averaging 18 and a half minutes here per game as a 37 year old here with the blues. I'm jumping for joy because yeah. one, you just got to love DP 57. And secondly, that is a fantastic thing here just for the blues in general to have a guy at that age performing that well to have that kind of a legacy like i i think the blues and the front office are are ecstatic here for it and an underrated you know getting up into that conversation of all-time greats in franchise history um if he does sign a three-year deal he would be on track to have the most games played um i Mm -hmm. think he's 673 right now and federico is at 927 so um, you know, 81 times three, I guess it's pretty close, but uh, it's right about there. Um, so, you know, I just think he, that, that old little fun fact about, you know, playing for five different teams and never signing a contract anywhere, but here, I want that to, I want that to be true through his retirement. And, and I hope it is. I hope they keep him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have still quite a bit here left to go here from this. So I don't want to be able to, to keep you here for too terribly long. So let's just kind of rapid fire here right. at this point. So Ryan O'Reilly, he's got one year left on his contract. He's 31 years old. Should the blues resign him before season? And if so, how long um, resign him for one or two years, resign him for three years, wait to see how next season goes or don't resign him. Voice of public opinion says, Go ahead and resign him three years. What says you? Uh, absolutely get him done if you can. Um, sign him for three years. I'm honestly surprised that three was his like quote unquote long term deal because O'Reilly is yeah. only 31, and right. I could easily see four or five years for a guy who um, you think his game's going to age really gracefully. Just you yeah. know the way he plays um, and the way he trains and prepares, but. Uh, right. I, you know, we do have so much work to do next summer. Don't leave yourself with more unanswered questions than you have to. Both sides want to be here, I assume, I'm not having not, you know, read any minds. So just mm-hmm. do it and and keep them long term. Just be done with it. Yep, absolutely. Yep, I, I fully agree here with you. So what do you think then the Blues <laughs> most pressing on ice need is then? Top four defensemen, starting goalie other than Jordan Biddington, a backup goalie, or a solid fourth line? Well, it's no surprise. I think the public opinion went overwhelmingly for top four defensemen. Yes. Um, yeah. I have concerns about our defense that go beyond just adding one person to it. But, um, you know, I certainly think we need a we need an answer on the left side for Pareko. Um Yep. And, you know, I love Scott Perunovich, but, and, you know, I would love to see him get more of an opportunity, but I don't think this team's just going to throw him into the top four and see how it works. I would be kind of intrigued if they did, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's how they're going to operate. And I don't think, I think they'll go out and make a, a splash for a top four guy. Right. Yeah. I was even asked the other day, um, you know, what would I think of the blues going after a guy like Ian Cole? And for me, I'm like, you know, I wouldn't mind it. 
I, I wouldn't, but regardless of where you put him and who you have as your technical top pairing unit, you know, if you say that the top pairing unit here is Krug and Falk, fine. You need a pairing match. You need a pair mm-hmm. for whether it's Robert Bortuzzo or whoever else here is on that back right-hand side or a pair here with Colton Pareko. And right now, you know, a guy like Ian Cole, that's not going to match here really well. Pareko's going to play those long minutes. He's going to play those hard minutes here. And like you said, playing a guy here like a Scott Perunovich may pan out extremely well, extremely well. I don't know if that's the option. And so right now, instead of trying to define lines and pairings and they need to find personnel matches here at this mm-hmm. point. And so well that's said. where, yeah. and why I think that the blues and fans even have said maybe moving a guy out like a Colton Pareko so that they could get maybe a little bit more fluidity makes more sense. So as of right now, I fully agree here with the public opinion that says that we need to be able to get a top four defenseman. So um, mm-hmm. In that same vein, if the Blues could acquire a top four defenseman, which four of these options do you think that they should go out and do it? Trade Tarasenko or a defenseman to move his salary out and get one. Don't re-sign Peron and use that money. Trade package, including Ivan Barbashev and either Jake Neighbors or Zach Balduk. Or I don't like any of those options, so use somebody here like Mako Nikola and Scott Perunovic. Um, you know, we already talked about my opinion on trading Tarasenko and, and, you know, so I think that probably is where I stand. I love Ivan Barbashev, but like if, if Ivan Barbashev and, and either of those forward prospects get you a top level defenseman, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm happy to make that. What what do you have over that general manager at that point? That's what I'm exactly. So, um, You know, I, I I want to see how neighbors and Bullduke would do here, but I'm sorry, yeah. that's a trade I absolutely make a hundred yes. times over. So yeah. um not I'm not upset about either of those. And I really wouldn't be too terribly upset about the Perunovich option. I just really don't expect this franchise to do it. I don't think how that that's quite how they operate. So yeah, and that's where I was torn. Um realistically the trade would more than likely be Tarasenko for a defenseman and like move his trade out. But I personally answered it of, yeah, I would absolutely make a trade that says Barbashev for, and either Jake neighbors or Balduk for a top four defenseman. So that was the one that I said, because that's the one I would prefer if that's what, what it took. So, um, so you know, we mentioned here in our confidence here in a couple of different of like the positions, Jordan Bennington, he did play really well here at the end of the season and into the playoffs. What's your confidence level? One, two, three, or five. Uh, what's I your think confidence I, level going into the next season? I think I went with the four here. Um, definitely a worrying regular season, but he looked so good in the playoffs. It's, it's hard to not, it's hard to imagine him not being motivated and good entering next season. Okay. Yeah. And so that's what public opinion here said as well. 46.8%. I went with the middle of the road, the 35% that says three, in my opinion, you got to show me it. Yeah. Very understandable, but you've got to show me here again, moving into next season that you can be fine here at this point. Um, And it's, it's not that I don't trust him again. Show me, you can do it. And, And I'm all for it. So um, should they look to trade 
Bennington and re-sign Huso as their starter? Yes or no? Um, no, but it's also gobbledygook because I don't know who's trading for Jordan Bennington right now. Um, Especially that contract. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just a weird, that was a kind of, I love Jer- Jeremy Rutherford, uh, but that was a weird question to me. And yeah. I absolutely, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I guess I would, if, if I could get rid of the Bennington contract mm-hmm. and not have to, you know, basically sacrifice assets to do it and get who's so for cheaper, I guess I might, but it's like, a, it's a, like an impossible question or an impossible yeah. trade. So what's the point? Yeah. And you just don't know, like that's, that's so much here. So like of the unknown, because coming into this season, Billy Huso was a decent backup goaltender, but he didn't mm-hmm. have the track record that suggested that he was going to succeed. And especially at that level here as a starting yeah. goaltender. So I still voted no. And I think we're in agreement here on that. Um, if Bennington's the starter though, and Huso leaves via free agency, which is what we're expecting should the Blues re-sign Charlie Sideburns, Charlie Lindgren here as their backup? Yes or no? Uh, I'm going to be the party pooper here. Absolutely not. I I don't understand this. He had five five games on a ridiculous heater. Um, people forget how hot and cold the goaltending position is. They just mm-hmm. pretend that it's not. But, like, this guy has had – seven, eight, nine years to prove that he's a, an a, NHL level goalie. And I just don't see how, if you're a serious contender, you can go into next season with him as your option. If, if, um, you know, God forbid Bennington gets hurt again, or what if the knee takes longer to fully heal than we thought or anything, you know, or, yeah. or he re-aggravates it. It's just like, he's, He's played 29 games in his career and he'll be close to 30 or or close to 29 entering next season. Yeah. I just don't see it personally. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like Lindgren. I really do. Um, I mean, the advantage is it'd be dirt cheap. So you can definitely make that argument, but like, yeah, you would just have to have so much confidence in Bennington. I feel like, which seems unwarranted right now. I say bring Yara Halak back home and give it. Okay. We're going to move on here with that one. (laughs) Um, Here, a little bit of breaking news. Congratulations. And I will say this here with the utmost sincerity, congratulations to the Colorado avalanche as they have officially won the Stanley cup here over the Tampa Bay lightning. So their first, title Good since 2001 and they win two to one here over the lightning so um next question here again and again just going to keep going here just rapid fire do you think that the that jake neighbors will make the opening night roster and if so mm-hmm. top three lines fourth line or need some games in the ahl um, I definitely think he'll make it. I think they will try to integrate him on the fourth line uh, initially. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or, or sorry, I think they'll try to get him in the top three right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think he'll probably kind of end up getting some probably AHL time and some mm-hmm. um, NHL fourth line time and some other stuff. But, you know, I think he'll definitely make it out of camp. If he did this year, it'd be pretty surprising if he doesn't next year. So. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I said, ultimately, I hope that he makes the top three lines and that's where I vote. But ultimately, I am fine if he is on the fourth line. I don't think Mm -hmm. that's the right fit for him. 
but I'm not opposed to him playing that role just as long as he keeps continuously pushing the offense and pushing, you know, what he is here as a player at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, who is the blues top prospect, not currently on the roster neighbors or Paul Duke. I personally said it's neighbors. Paul Duke here looks good, but we haven't really seen much of him and recency bias in my opinion, just says Jake neighbors. Agreed. Uh, Paul Duke had a good season, but neighbors had a great season captain this team to a cup and and you know looks great so yeah um stanley cup window i'm gonna skip a question here stanley cup window still open if so for how long one or two years three plus years or um you know they're contenders but don't think that they're going to be in the cup for the next five years um i honestly i said three plus years here which i think is obviously outside the box Um, I think we're underestimating how good the young component is and Mm -hmm. how good Doug Armstrong is at maneuvering things to always be competitive. So, you know, one window may close for a minute or two, but I think he'll get us right back there. So I said three plus. Yeah. All right. So these last two questions here are going to be um, almost handcuffed here with one another. Would you prefer Armstrong here have an active offseason, maybe including a major move, or keep the roster fairly intact? So yes or no, active offseason major move, or keep the off keep the roster here intact? I mean, who doesn't want a major move? That's that's what makes the offseason fun. So yeah, yeah, I said a major move. Yeah. And I said keep um active offseason major move, and I don't think that you're gonna have a successful offseason unless you do make a major move to address that um, that defensive pairings. And I think the only way to address it here is going to be via the trade. So in that in mind, which of these offseason tr- scenarios do you think is likely to happen? Trade for Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk here, that is a trade for Chikrin out of Arizona, a trade here with the Philadelphia Flyers for defenseman Ivan Provorov or Tarasenko, Returns, Perron and Nick Letty are also re-signed. Which one do you um, think is likely to happen? I just don't think Nick Letty is the answer. Nothing against him. I just think that's a real big gamble to give him a costly extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we're all saying, "Hey, the defense didn't look good enough this year," and then we're all like, "Yeah, let's bring Nick Letty back." It just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. I think the most likely is Chikrin. Um, There's enough smoke there, and the Bill Armstrong connection. Um, seem to make that pretty possible. Uh, I don't even know if it makes the most sense, but God, do I want to see Matthew Kachuk as a blue. So my heart (laughs) says um, I'd love to see that Uh, because, Hey, if you have Matthew, then you only need Brady to complete the collection. (laughs) So um, I would love to see that. I don't know if they can pull it off, but. uh, It may be later in his career, but it still counts. It still still counts. counts. Yeah. And I'm. I'm really torn here because I love the idea of acquiring a guy like Provorov, but mm-hmm. he is more offensive upside here, in my opinion, than he has defensive upside. Yeah. So then in my opinion, you're just creating and just re-signing another guy who is very similar to like a Scott Perinovich, which you mm-hmm. already have in-house. So why? Yeah. And Jacob Chikrin, I think is more of a defensive style player. He's more two way, but more of a defensive style player here of those. And so I said, Jacob Chikrin here mm-hmm. at that point here. And so did 
the voice of public opinion, they did say 24.4%, but they are thinking that the likeliest option here is going to be Tarasenko, Peron, and Re- and Nick Letty here have returned. So, all right. Well, that here about wraps up here for us. Stephen, where can they find you here on Twitter? Where can they find any of like, you know, your writings, anything like that? Uh, well, you can find my writing at the Hockey Writers. We just wrapped up. Uh, you did a lot of it as well. The um, yeah. Blues Report Card Series. That was a, a, a you know, labor of love for all of us i would say but um you know every every player that had more than 10 games played uh plus the coach and gm got a got a specified report card with a with a grade which i i just have to say is much harder to do for james neal than for jordan Cairo. but um yes you know especially when you have to hit 600 words or whatever the limit is but uh i do love to pontificate so we made it work but um that's all there on the hockey writers and our uh, Twitter um, the, for the podcast is at two guys, one cup, all uh, spelled out, no numbers or anything in there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Here's so much for coming on. And again, you know, for Ethan and I both as well, we you know enjoyed having you on and, you know, we wanted to have you again, uh, again here on real soon, uh, maybe here as we, see the blues take to the draft here very shortly. And, you know, as we yep. start kind of breaking down the drafts here at this point, so love to be able to have you on and just thank you again here so much. Um, again, if you enjoy what you have been listening to, enjoying just the breakdown here, enjoying what we are doing here on the podcast, give us a subscribe, give us a thumbs up here rating at this point, um, you know, do what you're going to do, share the podcast around and be able to share it around here with some blues fans and, you know, anybody else who thinks that they might just enjoy here a new hockey podcast. So um, from us here at the blue note podcast, thanks so much. Good night. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.